Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is Radical Research, episode 80. We are covering the early years of a French band called Suppuration, 1990 to 1994, to be exact. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Hunter Ginn. Good afternoon, sir. What's new? You just went to a party with a lot of dips, an afternoon party with dips. Graduation party for friend's daughter, lots of dips. Um, Also, so the party was... um, hosted by a family from New Jersey. My friend is from New Jersey and she is Italian and she made this incredible Italian spread, but someone in her circle said, you've invited Southerners. So you have to have deviled eggs. <laughs> and she was very resistant to this, but anyway, she made deviled eggs and like seagulls on a chicken wing, the Southerners descended upon the deviled eggs as soon as they arrived. And I found out that I was like, well, Kim, you know, you invite, you know, our kind. It has to be deviled eggs. And, and I, I will say too, they stacked up handily against any southern deviled egg. I so. hope they had a sprinkle of paprika on the top. Oh, naturally. Yeah. yeah. Um, why is that a southern thing? Because I grew up. It's in not. The it, 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 I was yeah, it's say, not in the Midwest. Yeah. It was a thing. You know, for sure. Yeah. It, um. It, I. I think maybe it's more like of a rural thing. Oh, there you go. Okay. Maybe like mid rural midway, like um, like a supper club kind of a thing, like a church event. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, though? Abs- like, oh no, absolutely. Like uh, a, a potluck, kind church of potluck. Thing. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. We, we, I think had... I think any area where there is um, you know, uh, a potential for a church potluck, there will be deviled eggs. 
Speaking of church potlucks, separation. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> a, a co- uh, yeah, a common theme on radical research, separation. They thought, yeah, they popped up. It's a really uncomfortable segue. Yeah, so so um, really looking forward to getting into this one. I want to mention a couple of things before we do, because then we're just going to be all separation all the time. Um, I want to mention both Rob No and Alan Colson, a couple of listeners of ours who uh, were generous with some donations recently. We really appreciate that. You can always do that uh, via PayPal. Our ID is radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. Also, some big news. You can now pre-order my Fate's Warning book. You can find that at fateswarningbook.com. That will direct you to the Radical Research site, which we're um, using to host uh, all ordering for the book. I'm really excited about it. Um, so we'll be uh, pre-order only uh, at fateswarningbook.com, but your order will be saved. And in early July, I get the books and we'll be mailing every single one of them out. More information on that you can find uh, also at my Facebook page for the book. The book is called Destination Onward. Please check it out if you're interested. Okay. I will, I will be pre-ordering. Thank you for the support, my friend. I I, I bought the last canvas. I know out. you always buy. Well, you always buy canvas albums. I believe in I, that. I believe in supporting. I bought. My, my yeah, I bought. Um, yeah. I bought one of my copies of Soul and Fire. You gave yeah. me another one. Of and course, I bought yeah. uh, Mean Deviation. Well, thank you. Thank you. Let's see. I bought Mean Deviation just so I would have a picture of myself that was in a book. <laughs> I love giving free copies, but I also, I'm, I'm the kind of person that will support my friends endeavors. Yep. Um, Absolutely. You know, I buy all of Zoller's stuff. Um, I buy all your stuff. I will continue to do that for my friends because uh, I just think it's a, a, the best show of support. I agree. Anyway, send me your money. I, I, I can really use it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to catch up on the Blue Tows Nord catalog and it's not cheap. And, not. Uh, you know, I could use your, I could use your help people. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So we just heard Separation's Sultry Obsession. This is from their Sultry Obsession demo. This is the first time the world had really heard from this band. Uh, This is circa 1990 out of France. What happened after 1990 with this band, after that demo, was they recorded a bunch of songs in 1991. Mm. And it was a demo session. But what happened was (laughs) they spread it out over five, seven inches (laughs) They became really collectible really quick. I only have two of them, which makes me feel like a little pissant of a man. Uh, do you have? Do you have any of those? I have one. Which and one? Um, is it creeping have, unknown? It is creeping unknown with the the kind of the guy's head coming coming off yep. the top. Yeah, I have that. On, and, uh, it's on morbid, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think German so. label morbid. I have that and the isolated one. The isolated one with the not cool cover. There's a great cover of uh, isolated with just like sort of a, a scene from an inlet or a bay during dawn. Um, I have the the green cover with the band on it, which isn't quite as cool. But um, have always tried. <laughs> that's, um, that's on Seraphic Decay, though, right? You might be right. I think it's the last. I do. I, I actually have the Seraphic Decay um, catalog pretty much memorized. Ah, yeah. Um, I think it's the last thing ever released by Seraphic Decay. I bet our uh, friend um, Vico Rebang has that. We'll wait to hear from him. I think he owns the entire Seraphic Decay catalog. Yeah, he was the one going for tons of I um you and I um got some Seraphic Decay action at Manifest when that person dropped off that gigantic the seven collection. collection. Yes, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. That was nice. That was nice. See, so, yeah, I can't gonna, remember yeah. the last time I listened to my Acrosticon seven inch though. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's beside the point. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> we're going to dive into that 91 session. We're going to listen to, we're going to start off with two songs anyway, uh, which was a very early and, and prolific period for this band. You'll probably hear why we chose to cover this band and why we're big fans. Let's they were, out. Yeah, they were uh, developed very, very early on. Yeah, we're going to check out Ephemeral Paradise, which was always misspelled as Emperor Paradise, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. And a song called In Remembrance of a Coma.
I think we hear a pronounced heaviness in the 91 demo session that we didn't hear in sultry obsession in, in terms of the thickness of the guitar tone, mm-hmm. the focus, the ferocity. Weirdly, like the sultry obsession is even more science fiction to me. All that material, the three songs from it? You mean yeah. the, whole, the whole demo? Yeah, okay. Um, and, and, and it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, they were always an experimental band. I mean, as will be evidenced in this podcast. But to me, there is a really direct link between Sultry Obsession and The Cube. Okay, I've, n- I've never heard it that way, but uh, perhaps I will as we go through here. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it could just be my mishearing. Um, so I make no claims to the accuracy of that statement, but just how I well, hear it. Uh, I do think uh, in remembrance of a coma, the, the last of the two yes. snippets we played, you know, there's a little bit of that um, clean vocal coming in, that robotic vocal that they did so well that there's definitely, uh, I think, a parallel we can draw to Voivod and perhaps uh, Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory. DBC. Uh, DBC, excellent. Yep, exactly. So that's that's rearing its head. But yeah, I, I definitely think those 91 sessions maybe tap the brakes a little bit on that experimental thing that we'd, we'd see them capitalize on the next year, uh, just in favor of kind of tightening their approach and, and just mm-hmm. being very, very heavy. It's by far the heaviest separation stuff out there. And, and really for, uh, you know, I say for a long time, for a while, <laughs> three for, years, for a while. Well, for a while, you know, until the cube wa- got around, the ninety-one material was all anybody really knew of of separation. This was the stuff that was going around the most, obviously, because it was split into a bunch of seven inches. Great stuff. Uh, let's listen to a couple more from those August ninety-one sessions. Uh, we're going to listen to a song called "Isolated" and another one called "Sojourn in the Absurd."
that hammer on sequence in isolated is something I really like. And one of the reasons I picked that one and I, you know, in Sojourn in the absurd, there's a lot to talk about there. They have the robotic vocals peeking through again and that viola type sounding instrumentation. I, I, I assume maybe that's a synth on, on Sojourn. Do you know what that might be? I, I would assume that it's a synth, but it sounds like a viola or something like that. Right. The guitar vocabulary and, sojourn is extraordinary i heard voivod i heard disembowelment Mm, um mm. your carcass yeah it's a really really exceptional piece of music elements of it remind me if gorefest were playing voivod songs because Mm. there's there's a tone to everything really uh that's gorefest but obviously gorefest were far more straightforward but somehow it's it's in that world too. Some uh, you know maybe maybe one foot in that world. But I think yeah. the vocals are worth talking about too. Sure. I mean yeah. there there is a, a heft and uh, terror to those vocals that you don't normally encounter in you know in the the progressive reaches of death metal. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I mean they're incredibly convincing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're certainly separating themselves with this material, I think, from the proliferation of more conservative death metal that was exploding in 91. Oh, yeah. Pretty much the Annus Mirabilis and also the beginning of the great bloating of death metal. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yep. I mean, 91 was just, I mean, an embarrassment of riches. But I mean, there was also like a lot of throwaway stuff by that time. And by 92, I mean you know a lot a lot of death metal and a lot of latecomer labels were you know descending into like self-parody oh yeah it's it's not unlike a lot of other movements in metal and even outside of it it just it sort of just happens i mean i think we saw the same thing happen with so-called grunge and all seattle yeah yeah totally i mean you know when what's like the la phenomenon that you and i were talking about before the show and and that great San Francisco paragon of melodic metal, Hans Naughty. <laughs> um, you found a way to work it in, you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but like any, I mean, you know, there were like in Seattle, I mean, you had bands from all over the country moving to Seattle to be right, like, right. oh, I'm a Seattle band. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's like, well, think about Florida. You had bands moving literally from other places to Tampa to be a part of the Tampa Moore Sound scene. No less than Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. I no mean, less, man. Kind of, I mean, kind of malevolent, malevolent Creation moved to Fort Lauderdale. Yep. Um, I decide those Glenn Benton's from Buffalo, Buffalo right? Buffalo, isn't he? Yeah. I, mean, I think so. Uh, I think he's, he's from, he's definitely from up north. Yeah. 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 We're going to move into 92 with this band. And this is, you know, this is obviously when they even separate further from what was happening in 92, because they simply keep getting weirder. (laughs) Thankfully, all that 90, 91, 92 stuff is available, or I should say was available in a collection called 9092. Um, That came out in the mid 90s in 500 copies. Currently will set you back about $80, but it collected all that early stuff that's just indispensable for fans of this band. There's no question. My only real complaint about that release. Do you have do you have a copy of that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's I do too. And, and I that, have that that, um, that sultry obsession uh, reissue. I don't remember okay. what label it's on. I got it from, I think the Crypt. Okay, back in 2016. Sounds about right. 
My complaint on the 9092 collection, it's wonderful musically, but God damn, that cover sucks. <laughs> Look at that thing. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like a very, very, very bad prog metal wannabe thing from the mid 90s. Um, bad computer art. It's got a, like a stopwatch type thing. <laughs> it, it's got... It's got it's got that that doorway. So what, is, what is what is prog metal's enduring fascination with timekeeping? Timekeeping. I don't. What know, is that, man? man? And doorways that are just sort of like hanging there in the middle of the heavens. <laughs> like it's just all it needs is an hourglass to be truly truly nauseating. There's nothing like the yeah the the disembodied hourglass to be truly truly prog metal and let me go on about this for a while and you're and you're absolutely right but but for a band that always had really good artwork i mean from the early days up until uh still in the sphere and and even beyond that and we'll talk about their later stuff uh, in terms of their output but they always had a really good artistic sense but yeah. man whoever put that 9092 thing together and maybe that look was in the air and this is of course when you know, computer graphics were becoming accessible for people to right. just kind of make on their own system. Uh, but boy, yeah, I, I hate looking at that thing. It's such a valuable and cool piece of, of music, but whew, that cover. <laughs> <laughs> we sound like two old men at Waffle House drinking coffee and complaining about things. Oh, I tell you, I know music's damn good, but that fucking cover. <laughs> I'll be bitching about it on the on the on the old folks home porch with you when I'm 88. Anyway, I mean, I'll, I'll be like 78, so you will. So I'll, I want to. I, yeah. I hope I can celebrate my 93rd birthday just because ni- 1993 <laughs> is such a such a era for us. But I'll have to be 103 when you're 93. So that's going to be. I'm going to have to work. Um, I uh, I'm really not planning on living that long. <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe I will, but it I hear seems unlikely. But I, I anyway. Hear. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've done a lot of damage to this old vessel over the years there. <laughs> so let's move into 1992. Uh, we want to play a song from their three song 1992 session. This is the one that they did basically before they finally recorded their first album. There's a song called 1308.jp.08. This is the most recorded song by this band. They did it three times. They recorded it in 91 in these 91 sessions. They recorded it for this 92 session. And it appears on The Cube, the the album from 93. So let's, uh, let's check a bit of that out.
Yeah, so I think we hear in that song a definite look ahead. They've got the cube up their sleeve probably by this time. There's really not much more to say about it because it's going to just mirror everything that we play from the cube. Mm-hmm. Now, the cube came out in 1993, has one of my favorite album covers ever. There's just something really boring about that album cover. I always have really liked. I remember seeing it before I heard it. And this was my introduction to Separation was, was this album. And um, man, that was such an alluring cover. And then when I finally heard it, I thought, oh, this is kind of everything. I want. <laughs> this is kind of everything I want right now. And I was a little late. I, I heard it, I think the next year. I don't think I actually heard it in 93. So uh, it was a bit, bit hard to get. It's on. I, yeah, I didn't. I yeah. heard it. I heard it in 94. It's basically a release by two labels, Reincarnate and Danceteria. So not exactly stuff that you're finding in music land in the U.S. at that time <laughs> or whatever your mall record store was. Not that I shopped at mall record stores a lot at that time, but you know, leave it to relapse. That's where I got it. It's where I got it. It was um Eula Garrett. It was on his playlist, the first issue of Maniacs in 94. And thankfully, there was a little relapse ad that had some of their featured records, and the cube was on it. A relapse. Oh, like the relapse mail order. Yeah, but like they had an ad, you know. They used to do those ads in Maniacs where they would, uh, it was kind of like Metal Discs, where they would you know, oh, yeah, list out the- records that they wanted to promote or you know, things yeah. they had in their mail order or whatever. Yeah. And they had they had the Cube on there. Right on, right on. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's listen to the Cube. The, this is a fascinating right. album. And, uh, you know, I, I think the name Voivod has come up a few times already. But uh, one of the things I liked so much about this album was this is one of the first bands, especially, uh, you know, death metal bands, where uh, Voivod was a clear influence. And I also want to say about Separation, they're kind of in that boat with Anacruzis where you talk about bands that did the dual clean and harsh vocal thing. And I think Fear Factory gets a lot of credit for that. Uh, we talked about that on the Anacruzis episode a good bit. We can also identify Amorphous as being an earlier one. But I think Separation were there pretty early as well. Uh, and never of, course, never, of course, get credit. But we're going to hear a whole lot of that on these four tracks from The Cube. Uh, we're going to keep taking them in pairs for now. Let's do the elevation and the title track. Yeah. 
I want to get your thoughts on her but first i just have to say i, I think in re-listening it reminds me that the title track from the cube is maybe my favorite separation thing ever or way high up there i just like so much of the guitar work on that especially and the guitar work as you said is very reminiscent of piggy but it takes it to a much more melodic consonant place it takes atmospheric it you know, yes. Piggy, there, there's a very confrontational element to a lot of Piggy's guitar work on, you know, killing technology and dimension. And th this kind of brings, you know, that language into the 90s and the, you know, the like metals, death metals engagement with melody. Melody and I think even technique outside of metal, because there's there's even something there throughout the cube that you don't hear even in Voivod, 
And that is that, and I don't know the name for it, and I think guitarists are going to have to correct us, or maybe you know, I I don't, uh, but that that, 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 that kind of staccato yeah. effect, that to me sounds, hand, sounds like yeah. uh, uh, picking on the right hand with several fingers in tandem. Uh, is that what that is? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like a kind of a hammer on. Kind of, but on the, almost, but, but isn't, isn't it plucked from the right hand? In staccato fashion, da, 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 or, da, 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 da. yeah, I mean, hearing... I guess like plucked and muted simultaneously. Maybe, and... maybe, yeah. But it, but it, there's a you know a frip element there too, right? Yeah. Well, there you go. And, I, I mean, mean, because frip was doing that in the seventies. I feel like they're drawing from something outside of metal, simply because yes, frip is a, is a great example. Piggy often drew out of uh, metal uh, or outside of metal for his stuff. So I feel like there's that parallel. Uh, and then the, again, the guitar technique that I'm talking about in the cube just reminds me of a lot of stuff that I hear from like either, either in post-punk or new wave from the early eighties. Sure. So I just like how they've colored that song with that technique. Everything that song does is everything that's great about separation at this time. It's amazing. Anything to say about the elevation? I, the Cube is a weird record for me because I really rarely think of it in terms of individual songs. Absolutely. So this is a, 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 a kind of, and I, I don't think I even realized like what this exercise would bring out in that. It, it like for me, the Cube is kind of a monolithic record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those records that I listen to front to back. So it like, you know, unlike I don't have any number of records where you distinguish them by song, this is sort of a total experience. And it's it's exactly how it was written. This is how it's supposed to be. This is a conceptual piece. Yeah, it, it flows this way. And right. I and I think and I think you're right. So let's in that spirit, let's mash up the last two samples that we're gonna hear from this. Uh the first one's called the accomplishment. And uh, on the album, it's followed by 4TX.31B. We're going to listen to both of those in succession.
you just heard the last two clips that we will be playing from the cube this evening. Hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. Oh yeah. Very not you, Jeff, the listeners. <laughs> hey, I, I enjoyed know this you, too. I know I know you enjoyed them. Okay. Because we picked them. Right. But just a very kind of a singular record, really. And one that just gets more special to me with every passing year. And you know, it's one of those records too. And I hope this is um I hope this episode spurs the kind of enthusiasm that came behind the Alchemist episode Mm. and results in some sales for this band. Because I feel like if you like radical research and you, you know, find yourself to be a kindred with us, that you would love this, this album and this band. Yeah. Um, And, and, and another thing that I, now I think I mentioned this earlier, but another thing that I, came around to as we were picking these snippets it's like how damn heavy this band is there's a lot of weight to the cube as many sort of left field ideas as there may be on it and it certainly qualifies as progressive i think it does stay in the trenches of guttural death metal in in some way yeah Um, not easy to do because i feel like once you make some of these choices you you tend to separate yourself from all of that uh Mm -hmm. they were able to kind of keep you know their feet in in sort of both ends of this and uh yeah i think that's the beauty of it and and even though it is progressive even though it was weird at the time and still sounds a bit weird and and definitely ticks off our weird boxes they didn't try to out diversify everybody like Mm-mm. you know what i mean like it wasn't pantheimonium level madness it was a very constricted right. very focused sort of a presentation and I, I you know this was i think the intent the whole time but yeah i just think they, they just peppered in enough of these outside or strange influences to make it special and it and it remains special so i think um and- if we're listening to it how many years later almost 30 then uh um it did its job and it, it they, they don't sound alike but also going through this, I, I feel like Suppuration and Time Ghoul were sort of like twinned, completely disregarded death metal bands from the early night. Like they, you know, yeah. both of those bands should have been given more credit. But oh yeah, yeah, I, I think they yeah. fall into that pool of, of bands. I, I think I think those two link up there for sure. There are others, no doubt. Yep. Um, I want to mention the last song that we heard, 4TX.31B, begins with the words, still trapped in the sphere. And lo and behold, the next year, Separation came out with a five-song EP called Still in the Sphere. We're going to check out two tracks from that EP. You own that, right? Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's another great one. When that came out, I was like, well, no question, have to have that. Uh, (laughs) And um, it was also on uh, Reincarnate and Revelation, but not not that revelation that's a little more popular, but uh, uh, still kind of relegated to the shadows because of the obscure labels that they landed on. Uh, nevertheless, here- Crawfish. <laughs> yeah, Crawfish. Uh, all, all four of their <laughs> records in their discography. Yeah, here's The Cleansing and Back from the Garden.
back from the garden represents a real give me a minute you got it <laughs> you got dips on your mind i do man i want all those <laughs> dips I want some more dips <laughs> now and i sound like a dip shit <laughs> you got dip back from the garden represents a real stretch for them um, in terms of style, they're, they're still rooted in death metal and still exploring that territory. Um, but I, I feel like the, the boundaries of that territory have been widened considerably. Mm. And they're, they're, they're allowing more things in. And you, you mentioned post-punk earlier. I think there are certainly nods to that, you know, that very, very broad post-punk guitar approach. For sure. I've always heard that all over this EP. And I, and I yeah. feel like, you know, this is not that far away from 93. And it, oh, 1993, of course, was still in the air in terms of the spirit of so much pioneering metal of, of that time. And uh, this one sounds even more 93 to me than the Cube. It has a techier, colder tone. Yep. The changes I hear the most are in, are in tone, actually, um, on this. I, I don't feel like it's all that removed from the Cube, but I do feel like the tones they're exploring, particularly the guitar. It's more uh, high end. Yeah, it's more high end, a little more, um, I just, again, I come back to colder, not necessarily thinner, but um, certainly less reverberation and less echoey. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of constricted a little bit or, or reeled in yet. Yeah, they're, they're casting out a little more style wise, I think, than the cube. So it's a damn shame that we didn't get a full length in this exact style, but what we do get is pretty damn good. I want to mention that um, what happened in 1995, the next year, really upturned a lot of things for separation. They shortened the name. Uh, and I think the writing to my ears is less interesting. Uh, oh, far, far less. Yeah. The name became SUP, S-U-P, all caps, uh, which just, it, that, that could only remind me of a stupid shortening of supper. Uh, that's how I always <laughs> heard it. And I hated that. And like, as much as I like supper, I, you know, don't really care to have a, have a metal band called SUP, I guess. Right. Uh, or, or, you know, there's always the, Hey, what's up? You know, that, that sort of, sup. that's how I, that's how I hear it. <laughs> sup. Um, sup. And later SUP or SUP abbreviated the letters to stand for spherical unit provided, which didn't really help us understand much more, but, um, mm. but they did. And as SUP, they've recorded seven albums, the latest being released in 2019. And this gets a little confusing now because in 2003, separation came back in parallel to the recording career of SUP. And as separation, and this is basically the same lineup. We haven't named the guys. That's no disrespect to them. We just haven't. But basically the same lineup. Uh, they recorded an album called Incubation in 2003. And 10 years later after that one called, this is tough, Cube. But you have to imagine that in all caps and the B, <laughs> B, the B being replaced with a three. So I have no idea how they expect, <laughs> expect us to say that, even though it looks cool. So this is what they, this is what they did. And apparently incubation and cube, I've heard incubate, I've heard both actually. Um, I, I never loved them. I really wanted to badly as well as the sub stuff, but there was just, there's a, there's this intangible thing missing for me in all of this stuff. I've heard a couple of the sub albums. I've heard both of the latter day separation albums just didn't do it for me. What, what can you help me pinpoint why we don't care for this as much as we do that? original iteration of the band well yeah because it doesn't really sound like that original iteration um 
But you, you know, could pick some... it out of a crowd. You could say, wow, that's, you know, I mean, I think, I, I don't think it's alien to it, is it? No, but it's, it's simplified. It's yes. earthier. Yes. And honestly, more dull. I just, I, I find myself losing interest in, in it every time I hear it, which. Well, uh, okay. So before yeah. the podcast, we were talking about writing Christ and we were mm. talking, both of us really like triarchy. Yep. Neither of us like a dead poem. Yeah. They're not that dissimilar, but there is an intangible element that's missing from a dead poem. Indeed. And a dullness present that is not so with triarchy. And I, I, I think the same thing is true with suppuration. And I think if you look at, like, they have got, let's say, nine albums between the revived suppuration and sup. And that's nine albums where I feel like they've turned into one of those bands. And this happens to a shitload of bands where they finally arrive at something and they stay there. And what we hear throughout 90 to 94 is the band getting there. And we often, not always, but we will often prefer bands in the getting there phase. Well, the getting there phase is exciting. It's the exploration. It's, you know, I I don't, I mean, you know, I can't throw anything at enslaved you know, post ESA. Sure. I mean, they're a good band. Oh, yeah. But Enslaved from 93 to 2005 was a lot more exciting. Well, it was right. a band on a journey, you know? Yeah, yeah. They were Also, and uh, I, I don't know that this is the place to mention this, but I had no idea how many reunion records Death Angel had released. <laughs> I, I really, I and like was shocked. A lot. I'm glad you bring that up just because it's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, they have way more reunion records than I know. the original I, run. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so does Destruction. And I don't listen to a one of those. Yeah. Fair, uh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this EP uh, ends in a, in a rather uh, unique fashion with a cover. Now, it's not unusual for an EP or an album even to end with a cover. But this band doing Tears for Fears Shout was an interesting choice. Tears for Fears is a band I highly respect. I'm not a big fan of, but I think the day could be coming. I, you know, I, I could see it. Not sure if you've gone down that road at all or have any interest. I have in not, but um, people whose opinions I respect think highly of Tears for Fears. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, crazier things have happened. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so they do shout, arguably, Tears for Fears' biggest song. Uh, probably inarguably, I guess. And it, and it, for me, it works. It's, it's a longer song. It, um, it starts out quite guttural. We're going to play the beginning part, but as it goes on, I think they really make it their own toward the end. It becomes kind of this swirling cosmic thing and they make it work. It could have been a disaster. I'm sure there's people out there that just hate it, but I like it. Are you on the fence about it or do you? No, I I like it. Yeah, 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 I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go out with this one. We're not even going to tell you what the next episode is going to be, but God damn it, we reached 80 episodes. Can you believe that shit? 80 episodes. Congrats, brother. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I was thinking the other day, like, as we were on the precipice of 80, like, how fucking difficult number one was. And I wasn't even sure that there would be a second one. Right. Well, <laughs> So here we are. I'm (laughs) I'm glad we're here. But let me tell you, uh, number one, very trying. Maybe people don't know how long of a gestation period number one had. (laughs) 
but well, that was, was that three, was working out a, a fuck ton three, of kinks. It was three agonizing hours of technical difficulties <laughs> before we ever even decided. I mean, like, and why on earth we would pick William Blake to be our inaugural episode? I don't know, man. I offer for, for those that don't know. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that was that was by far the, the wrong choice for number one. But you know what? Like, not bragging, but like Garm came to us and said, hey, great job, guys. I, I really love that listen. He, he won't <laughs> do that. He wouldn't do that if he didn't think so. So I, I was like, I, 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 yeah, maybe it's I'm, not I'm as sure, bad as but... we remember. But boy, it's it's uh, we've come a long way. <laughs> no, it, it, it feels it feels like you know, it feels like my first French kiss. <laughs> right awkward yeah. just awkward, awkward. yeah like <laughs> it lasted too way time. too long wait yeah. it lasted yeah. way too yeah. long quite honestly <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're gonna we're gonna go out with shout we're gonna come back with uh, episode 81 in the two or three weeks and um thank you everybody we so appreciate all listeners we love you guys we are so grateful for the community that has really kind of joined around radical research um we think early on we felt like you know, we're on an island and well, maybe we are, but it's a bigger island and populated with more people than we could have ever imagined. So, yeah. Thanks well said. Everybody. Well said. And I, I did give the uh, PayPal ID earlier, but you got to give. Yeah. Have you given yet? You got to give. <laughs> you got to give. Thank you, Tim Robinson. We love you. Shout. Shout.